Hello everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? We're back again. We've been abroad, we've got new jobs, we've done all kinds of things. And with me as always is my good friend Baz. How are you doing Baz? Hello guys. I'm alright thanks mate. Yeah, all of that stuff has happened. Summer's over, autumn's here, gaming time is here. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a time as well for helping other people, I found. Is it? Let's get in that festive spirit. Yes, indeed. <laughs> festive spirit? What happened to autumn? You've gone straight from like <laughs> from sitting on the beach in Greece to like around unwrapping your presents. What? <laughs> this, this, is, this is basically what happens, mate. My birthday's oh, right. coming up soon, and then a month after that's my brother's. That's eight weeks from Christmas. Then it's my mum's four weeks later. Then we're four weeks from Christmas. Then it's Christmas. It's basically 2018. Awesome. I feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, a festivity of gaming. So, yeah, I've got a couple of conventions coming up. I've been to a couple recently. Uh, I've done some online gaming. Uh, and one of the things I want you to talk about tonight is um, sort of player advice, players helping other players out, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So quite often in uh, the gaming books, you see you've got your gym advice sections, haven't you? Uh, yes. And you've got even books that are dedicated purely to... GM tips and stuff like that. But where's other player advice? Where are the player tips? I'm quite sure in the history of time we've probably covered something like this before, but I think it's definitely worth a revisit and seeing what can we do as players to be a bit better as players. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it's a massively underserved demographic of the role-playing community, especially when you consider that roughly four or four-fifths or five-sixths of any traditional gaming table is going to be players. Um, but just about every resource that you'll find out there is is aimed at a GM. Realistically speaking, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I include in that. I include in that, like you know, ninety nine percent of the stuff that we talk about, and you know, our audience, I'm sure, are in the main GMs, not not exclusively, but it certainly won't be the ratio that you see around the table. And as you say, mate, all the advice is like, you know, how do I run this better? Uh, what do I do if my players are doing this, that, or the other? It, it's rare that you even see questions from players of other players like you know how can i how can i portray this character better how can i get in on the action uh, what happens if other people are crowding me out it it's all channeled through the gm and i can see why i totally can but i think it'll be an interesting conversation if we kind of look at things through players eyes a bit more yeah yeah absolutely so um, one of the things that sparked off this thought in my mind is on the uh, UK Role Players Forum. Uh, Alina, one of our lovely listeners, she mentioned uh, a technique from Nordic LARPs, which is called playing up in inverted commas, sort of playing up technique. Uh, and basically what that involves is each player actively trying to play up the other player's character in the way they want it to be portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, uh, if you had a character that you wanted to be uh, like a, a big thug, intimidating uh, you know, generally a physical presence and people would uh, shy away from him. Uh, traditionally, perhaps in a group, everybody would get that, but no one else in the group would act that way around you. Although you're a big hulking brute and menacing, maybe a killer or something. Uh, the other players and our characters probably wouldn't make too big a deal of that. You just kind of go like, all right, that's Buzz's character, great. I'm the wizard. Mm. Let's crack mm. on. Um, so this technique's more about um, adding stuff to the game world or the, the shared fiction to try and make that more obvious and support that thing that you want for your character. So it, it, it might not be that the other characters around the table are scared of you necessarily because, you know, you're all part of a gang or whatever, or, you know, the general conceit in role-playing games is you're all on the same side. But it'd be quite easy 
for other players to start mentioning how terrified the barman looks of your character when you walk in or something or go um, okay but as you get as a table and mm-hmm. like oh God, they go out your way quickly and you start adding little bits and it's just little touches just little details but it's stuff like that where you basically support the idea someone has about their character to make the game world seem like that's a real thing in the game yes so that so is easier said than done well maybe yes. it isn't but it, it's incredible how how what well, it's a really simple idea isn't it a really simple and um you'd be amazed i think i'm amazed how often that doesn't happen naturally and the fact that it doesn't happen mm. naturally makes me wonder why that's the case because it seems so obvious and if you saw it written down in a rule book as text like in the gm advice or the player advice you would just nod your head and move on and not think twice about it but but actually when you when you consider looking at games that are played it almost seems like revolutionary advice doesn't it um because yeah. when you think about it, or if you if you stop and listen to a conversation around a role playing table, I think what happens is that very often you see the GM in a trad game is like um, uh, the example I often use or the analogy I often use is they're like the hub on a wheel, and there's a player at the end of each spoke, and the conversation mm. goes from player to GM and back again, and from player to uh, GM and back again, and then the GM moves their head slightly, and there's a conversation between them and another player. But there's not much conversation going on around the wheel, which is the bit that yes. hits the road. Um, so the players, the players will often talk to each other, but it might be asides, it might be about this week's Game of Thrones episode, or it might be that they've popped out of character and they're just turtling up and getting into that planning bit that, that often games get to. But they're not playing each other's characters often enough. And, and that obviously leads it needs something to make it happen more than just wouldn't it be a good idea if so mm. now, what's your thoughts guys I mean what, do you think that does happen maybe I've just been in all the wrong groups and stuff but you know when I when I read Alina's advice I thought that that's really struck a chord with me yeah I think it's good and I do see it happen sometimes but much like yourself not enough and I definitely get um yeah, I recognise that thing you're talking about about the you know the gems like the railway hub in the middle, and you have to pass through that train station to go somewhere else. Mm. Um, so I think some players have got a bit of a reluctance to kind of address the table, and I don't know whether that's like just a, a sort of like learned behaviour from how they played before, or um, you feel like you've got to get your answers from the gym anyway. So you ask them because they're going to tell you what the how the world reacts to you, that sort of thing. But definitely we've got players like uh, Pete for example one of our good mates from the smart party he's really good at when things seem to be like slowing down a bit sometimes he'll speak to another character as a character mm. sort of thing and say oh yeah um, Gaz you're a, you're a good wizard so what do you know of the uh, the arcane wards that might be around this place or something like that and it's that kind of it's a bit I mean that the way I've described it there sounds a little bit ham-fisted and it's probably a bit more elegant than that when it happens at the table but it's that mm. kind of stuff where you don't say like who's got the best spell casting or something you, if you just dress it up more in the game fiction and kind of say like well you're wise in the ways of the elves or whatever like what can you tell us about this obviously I'm just a stupid mm. dumb barbarian I know nothing but uh, I, you've got mighty magics what can you do I mean, if you just chuck bits in like that obviously I'm making it like really obvious for the sake of the example but you can make that those sort of like connections a little bit more uh, and, and that's sort of like linking it to the gameplay, isn't it? Because you sort of say, you're basically saying to someone like, I haven't got Detect Arcana, but you have, so yeah. can you roll it? But you, you're just dressing up a little bit more. Uh, and I think the sort of playing up techniques a little bit more and the softer aspects of that, so it might not relate to specifically uh, something. But you could like, um, 
things you can do, and I've seen happen before, perhaps, is uh, adding bits of, like, not quite flashback, but you can you can sort of chuck in things around, like, do you remember when we were at the Gates of Moria and you uh, uncovered the whatever, 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 and you just, you come up with something mm. uh, as a as a fake background that your group have had together, and that's kind of like lending the fiction to the group that this character has succeeded in this sort of thing before, and you rely on them for mm. that sort of action. So that sort of stuff I do see happen, but I'm not sure it happens enough. I just think people might be a little bit uncomfortable talking amongst themselves, and there is sometimes it can spill over. When you've got a really ebullient group, they end up with two or three conversations going on, mm-hmm. so the game doesn't necessarily move, and you're missing stuff because different pairs of characters are chatting to each other. Yeah, I think that can absolutely happen. I think uh, the situations that I see it not happening in um, is the, the reason is even more basic than that. I think that people don't think they're allowed to, um, and and that, mm, that's yeah. You would have thought by now that, that that everybody would 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 know that when it's when you take the opportunity to speak in a role playing game, you are basically being given the GM's reins for that few seconds or or minute or so. Um, and there's plenty of games that hard code that in now. You've got loads of games where the character generation part makes you have relationships and encourages you to talk to the people on your left and on your right and to you know write in flashbacks or or whatever it is but you've got some way more narrative control in many games than perhaps traditionally used to be able to but i think it's very very long established now that no one ever has an issue with you saying i grab a beer mug off the bar and no gm worth this always going to go i didn't say there were any beer mugs on the bar (laughs) <laughs> you don't have to do yeah, that actually and, but, yes <laughs> but it's, it's but, just know, a leather mug there's no beer in it yeah <laughs> oh yeah that kind of blocking behavior and i suppose if you've ever been blocked that way you're never going to try it with somebody else's character are you if you if you can't even get a get your your elbow into the game world that is just being filled in as you go along you probably don't feel like you've got permission to intrude into somebody else's personal character space and, and perhaps something as simple as permission to do that would be enough, um, you know. And and I think I think that would help. Um, and I don't quite know how that permission is given, but I don't think it is cultural. And, and I and I, I feel like it probably should be. Don't know how that's going to happen without getting GMs involved, <laughs> as usual. With <laughs> <laughs> I think the secret might be to um, try and include stuff with some deniability. So, for example, right. if we've got your cold hard killer and I don't know we're playing a Deadlands game and and you're like a Mm -hmm. a wanted gunslinger or something like that Um, when you're going to town and you're breezing past the sheriff's office you might look and see all the wanted posters and as another player I could kind of go like that guy looks mighty familiar on there thousand dollars is that you Mm. Uh, you know he's gone up since last last time we're in town or something Uh, and then that gives you the option to go like uh, no that's mistaken identity that's nothing to do with me or it's my twin brother or you know, if you want to take that on board, you can kind of go like, "Yep, it should be two thousand and take it a bit further as a player." But yeah. if you've got to kind of offer it up as a kind of like, "This is the thing I think about you," and but give the the, the player targeting the opportunities of you know, an out. So if they don't like the direction you go in or don't think it's appropriate, they've got some way of just explaining it away, and it's all fine. Mm. Yeah, that's that's quite clever, mate. I think that's a really that's a cool idea. Not always easy to think up on the spot, but. Um... But but what you've just suggested could be relatively easy done in advance. You can kind of preload mm. your interactions, can't you? Because because they are deniable. You're not actually writing anything into the game. You're just looking for a chance to to make other characters shine as much as your own. Um, and, that, yes. and I think a lot of that could come from 
you know, just asking questions. Now, what, what role-playing games are awful at and other media is really good at, what role-playing games are terrible at is inter-character chit-chat. You know that moment in Pulp Fiction where the two guys are just chatting in the car about a chicken royale? That that never happens in role-playing games because because people keep looking to the GM to advance the plot or to say what happens next or for the next <laughs> scene to begin. Those little interstitials just don't really happen, but they're, they're amazing in like anything by Joss Whedon or... Well, most other media, even comics, you know, they're fantastic at just having people chit-chat while they're walking down the street. And because that doesn't really exist in RPGs, because no module or pre-published adventure is ever going to write those inner scenes, it's totally reliant on players to just make that happen. And yeah, there's you've kind of got to, you've got to give permission for that to happen because the only other time I've ever really had it happen is when the GM's gone for a com- comfort break. <laughs> and yeah, and that's usually true. you you usually you snap out a character, but if you don't snap out a character, you've got nothing to do but just chit chat to each other. So adventurers around a campfire could last an entire gaming session if everybody was in the mood for it. It'd be kind of fun. Um, and mm. when it, when it got boring is when the GM steps in and has like you know ninjas attack. Uh, but, but unfortunately, <laughs> the, the ninjas have to attack a lot sooner than that because. If a GM just says you're sitting around the fire, how's it going? It, it might actually just be awkward silence for long enough that nobody yeah. does anything. So I think permission's a big thing. I think asking questions of other people is a big thing. Like, you know, where did you get that hat? <laughs> you know, that's that's a perfectly <laughs> valid question in, in a Deadlands game, isn't it? Um, yeah, of course. And, <laughs> and also, I think, I think the physical logistics of the thing is that, do you know what? I don't actually know what most other people are playing in a game, especially if we're playing online, because I can't look over the, over the table and, and try and read their character sheet upside down. And if I'm not getting any cues from the player themselves, it sometimes isn't immediately obvious to me what's happening. And, and by that, I mean, if you, if you go without the, you know, introduce yourself round that is traditional, but not always there, you, you might not know that somebody is mean-spirited or inquisitive or curious. If they're not playing up themselves, you've got nothing to play up for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think I, I can't remember Alina's post word for word because it was you know quite lengthy and um, and useful, but in depth. Um, I think part of it is you kind of got to have a little chat before you. You have to do that kind of tell me about your character bit at the start, uh, just mm. to get some kind of tip, so that then as a as a bunch you kind of know what everybody else is aiming for to a degree. Um, but then you know I, I don't know. You still kind of got to remember, haven't you? If you've got five other players, for example. You, you need a little notepad just to make a bit of a note about everybody else because you, you might only remember one or two characters before you get into it and other stuff's happening, ninjas are attacking, and then you forget what everybody else is about. But it definitely needs that bit of intro. Uh, it's something I always do at my game, certainly at cons, is I get everybody just to introduce their stuff. And, and people might say about the characters little more than the thing that I said about the characters when I threw them on the table. But you know, at least you've got some idea of like the archetype or what the character's about to an extent, uh, and you can try and yeah. play that up a little bit. Um, mm. So, I mean, the other thing you could do as well is try and create relationships between the characters. I know this gets a little bit awkward for some people as well, but if you have a bunch of characters and you say, okay, you're a posse, you've been together a long time, uh, who else do you rely on in the group? Or it's that kind of stuff you get in a lot of games of the 20 questions yeah. about your background or your relationships or who you know. I think even if you just do it with one other character and say, okay, what does your character feel about this character? Or what? when did they save your life? Or... What does he argue that he's still not repaid, or something like that? That at least gives you something then that you can all have a bit of a riff off. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. We, um, I don't know if you remember, mate, we played a game of Fate once where it was a con game and we didn't get through terribly much of it. Uh, but I'd, I'd done some aspects in advance on cards and kind of randomized mm. them. Um, and one of them was dot, 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 is a prisoner of dot, dot, dot. Um, and so that, that immediately joined up two characters and then just had two in love with each other and two were related. Um, and, you know, if you happen to be like, you know, related to the person that you were a prisoner of, that, that throws up even more stuff. So just, and, and this was like, you know, half a dozen words, but those little connective bits of tissue made 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 everything hang together a bit more and just give people a reason to talk to someone on the left or talk to someone on the right because even mates yeah. in fact probably especially mates when you sit down with people you really know you, you might actually bizarrely ask them less about their character than you would do a stranger which you reach over and shake hands with and say hi i'm baz how are you you know yeah so you know i think i think it behoves every player to advertise themselves a little bit more verbally than they do um, That's a good point. Especially if, if if they've got their, especially if they've got those kind of traits where, strangely, it, it feels cool to not say anything. So if, if your trait mm. is like me, <laughs> people might express that by being all sullen and silent, and that just doesn't translate well at the table because it's like I, mean, I don't know you because we're at a convention. I don't know if you're like that or it's your character. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think you know you've got to advertise yourself. Yeah, no, you're right. I think you're right. Um, and it's kind of like, it's, it's certainly worth doing that personal introduction. I remember um, there's a guy called Robin Poole who's a, a really great role player. And um, I think the first time I actually gamed with him was in uh, a tower in Germany at Berg Starlach uh, for the Tentacles Convention playing Cthulhu. And my character had a brother who was troublesome, so I was giving him a hard time. Uh, and Robin's uh, was sort of standing up for this brother going like, you know, what's your problem sort of thing. Uh, and at first, I was sort of taking it like, because he's just some random dude, I bet. He's like, well, mm. what's your problem? This is my character sheet that my brother's a problem, so it obviously is. Uh, and it took like you know a few minutes for me to twig that actually this isn't Robin being an artist. He's just playing his character. Yeah. And obviously on his character sheet, he's got this brother's being unfairly treated by that idiot over there sort of thing. So it was just playing yeah. that. But because we didn't have any human interaction beforehand, and we just dived straight into a game, it was hard to tell whether... It's just this other player's being like this or whether the character is. So it certainly behooves us, uh, to, before we start games, just to say hello around the table yeah. and uh, introduce your characters so you get an idea about them, I think. The failure's entirely on my part there, but, you know. Yeah, well, it happens, mate. It happens because you just don't know, do you? And, and and I think, you know, one of the little tricks is as a GM at a con game or where, whenever you're playing a game, if you, if you toss the character sheets into the middle of the table... And start saying, okay, I've got a dwarven paladin, and I've got a half orc barbarian, and and you might even go a little bit further and say, and you know, and, and this one's a, a former landlord down on his luck who's taken to adventuring. Whatever your spiel is, the players are reaching out to the middle of the table, picking up their character sheet, and they're only really listening to the thing you're saying about the one they want. And then as soon as yeah. the character sheet is in their hand, they're then looking over that sheet, and they've got no idea um, that there's an uh, an elven wizard sitting on their left and, a, and a, an orc barbarian sitting on their right because they've been busy looking at their human fighter and that's natural that's human that's that's every business meeting ever isn't it yeah. <laughs> if you give out give out the handouts too soon no one is listening to anything that's being said and, <laughs> and even in even in a traditional kind of like you know home setup where you're starting a new campaign or whatever i would be willing to bet that if you played a four-hour session and then did a questionnaire for all of the players around the table where all the questions are about other characters. I don't think anyone would get more than 20% of the questions right. 
I think yeah, GM true. the GM might do quite well, but if you said like which which one of the players has got inquisitive as a trait, if the player didn't do anything to let everybody else know that they were inquisitive, and it could be as simple as going, oh by the way, I'm really inquisitive, because it can be that simple, <laughs> but it doesn't often happen. Then there's no one else would know about it, and it would never get played up, uh, and that yeah. just seems to be a cry and shame. No, that that's very true, mate. Um, the, we've got a, a, another of our great role players. I'll start reeling them off. Uh, Neil Gao, people might know as the Gabba, who did duty on it. Um, he's very good at uh, revealing stuff through play, mm. like to and sort of exemplifying the sort of thing that you were saying. Um, so if he's got edges or hindrances or secret backgrounds, you can guarantee that by the end of the session, they will all have had an airing at some point. It might not be all all up front. Uh, and why would it be? You don't want to shoot your your book straight away, but yeah, definitely. Like when he's had, um, he had sort of like a replicant character, like um, sort of Blade Runner esque type thing mm. in one of my games. Uh, and when he got shot, uh, he started bleeding white stuff, obviously rather than real blood. And right. rather than as some players will do and turtle up and try and hide that and then act suspicious, he sort of as a character, his character did that. But him as a player sort of made it really obvious to at least two of the players around the table that they saw this and that's clearly not right and that sort of thing. So mm. it's making sure that you've got people who can handle that um, separation of player and character knowledge to an extent as well and being a bit mm. mature about that. Uh, but yeah, advertise things that you've got and say like, this is a thing about my character that is detrimental to my character, but I'm going to put it out there now so that people see it and know about it. And mm. then we'll, you know, we'll have a cool scene at some point about all that. Mm. Yeah. So, so um, it's that kind of stuff as well. You definitely got to feed out the bits that are on your sheet to other players because no one's going to take time to study five other character sheets to learn all the bits and pieces. So you've got to kind of, as you say, chuck a bit out there and start feeding bits out so that other people can chew on them. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it really helps too because you, you're right. You don't want to chuck all that out straight away, but just make it your your agenda. Um, even you you'll be given you'll have a mission because you're playing a role playing game. That mission might be to. Uh, get in the cheerleader squad or it might be to clear out the minor orcs whatever your mission is there's a mission and that's just the a mission that's the one that's above the surface of the table for everybody to play uh, but you can have your own personal agenda as well and then in a meta way i think everybody should have an agenda of advertising their character to everybody else which mm. should be you know have everybody i think the gold standard of role playing back when i was young used to be that if you didn't show up for a game, somebody else could play your character because they knew how you would act anyway. That used yeah. to be like a like a mark of a of a great role player. Whereas it's okay, Bob Bob can't make it this week, but let's have his dwarf with us anyway because we know exactly how he reacts when he sees such and such. We know exactly what he would say <laughs> in this situation. He's not going to yeah. feel you know that we're just like doing stupid things with his character, and and that can only happen if you over exaggerate your actions it's like acting on a stage which is something i've never done but i'm told that you need to raise your voice and send it to the back of the auditorium and you need to put on slapstick make makeup that would make you look horrific up close because you need to exaggerate so mm -hmm. you need to you need to say like uh you need to tell people what you're thinking and perhaps even by it will sound clumsy in any other activity but say i think that's a, that's a horrific thing my character recoils from it now, no one's actually going to say that out loud in real life, but it works in a role-playing game, and then everybody then gets a sense that you might have like squeamish tendencies, and then yeah. they can be played up. So it, that exaggeration 
is even more difficult to do for people who might be a bit timid about getting involved at all. But you have to ham it up um, to give somebody something to chew on. Yeah, I, th- I mean, there is the, the sort of danger of going a bit gonzo with stuff as well. So you've kind of got to get a bit of a balance with it. But yeah, you, you, mm. you definitely need to sort of advertise in a broad sense uh, in an easy way to consume. There's no point trying to make some kind of nuanced Shakespearean theatre out of it because people won't pick up on it, frankly. They'll be looking at the yeah. character sheet for what dice they've got. Um, but that reminded me of something else, actually. I played in a, a game of Black Hack last week, which was set in space. Right. Uh, and, and I had a, a serpent man. Uh, and uh, I think one of the characters was a frogman. So, as in, not like, you know, not a deep sea diver, but actually a frogman. <laughs> With a snorkel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not going to do you much good in a cold, hard vacuum, is it? Jacques Cousteau and, in space. <laughs> yeah, quite. So we, we sort of brought it up, or I did, I think. I think, in fact, maybe one of the other characters mentioned, like, do you need your legs? Because a kind of frog legs, something to eat, Jacques, because we're all kind of like prisoners mm. or whatever in slave labour, so we're short on food. Uh, and then I sort of like played into that kind of role of, well, you're my reserve food source sort of thing. Um, mm. And that came out when um, some like space creature attacked the, the frog dude. So I just gave up my internal monologue and said like, well, I'm, you know, I'm outraged that something else is trying to eat my reserve food supply. So I'm going to sink my fangs mm. into it and get this. So I could have quite easily just go like, you know, I roll to attack or I hit the thing that's getting one of my mates. But just by releasing a little bit of internal monologue about what my character was thinking, it gives other people that insight into, well, this guy's a bit of an idiot actually, or a bit of a douche because he's like he's only protecting mm. that guy because he thinks it's his food or whatever. But that then gives other players the opportunity to work out how to react or how other people might react around my character because he's a bit shady or, or whatever it might be. Mm. But um, part of it, I think, is um, trying to do a little bit like in comic books where they've got little speech bubbles or where someone's yeah. thinking about something before they act, and if you can do a little bit of that or explain what's going to happen and then do it in a relatively quick fashion. I think that gives a a lot bigger window into what's going on as well. You see in TV all the time, don't you, where someone has a little bit of an internal monologue. So why not advertise it a little bit at the gaming table as well and give people an insight into why your character is doing the thing it's doing rather than why you as a player are doing something. Yeah, yeah. And and to help with that, you can make up a bit of false history as well. So uh, it could be your very first game together uh, as a band of I'll make it just a band of D&D adventurers because it's like you know the Rosetta Stone of gaming everyone could translate from there but you can be like you know your half orc barbarian and uh, when it's your turn to attack you can just talk about like uh, you can meta it a little bit and goes well everybody knows what I do in this situation don't you you know because we've fought, we've fought in countless battles before and you can talk about like you know um, you can you can just make allusions to to previous things you've done that you you haven't at all but you just start building in like relationships and backstory that weren't weren't there and you can just call on people to step forward and join in or they don't have to because I, I think you know one of my nerves about this is that it might be a slightly more off-putting for for people whose, whose style of gaming is a bit more sort of watchery or stuff like that but I, th- mm. I think you've said before mate you, you can't force people to do this kind of stuff but you can call on them as long as you don't insist perhaps mm. Yeah, definitely, and you can you can sort of like attribute uh, reactions to other characters that aren't particularly meaningful, but add the flavour. So yeah. if you've got your half up barbarian, and it's your you know your turn initiative, you go like, okay, well, uh, Thruknar is going to charge in uh, as everybody else rolls their eyes because he's not thought about any tactics or anything, but they know what he's mm-hmm. like and that kind of thing. So you should kind of attribute how everybody else thinks about your character by explicitly saying what they think about your character, whether they do or not. 
doesn't really matter for something like that because it's not too impactful or meaningful but you can add that bit of flavor of you know everybody's got the shared space in the head then of like okay well he's expressed now all this is our first combat as a group together at a convention party uh, mm. this guy's explained that this is what he's going to do all the time so we can play up to that now and go like when it looks like it's going to kick off or something another character could jump in and go like for fuck's sake someone get all the thruck now before he kicks off or that kind of yeah. stuff yeah so I mean there, there's games that, that do more than just encourage it there's games that build it in like we've talked about before I think um, the Apocalypse World series of games are really good at that at building those connections and I think you know the first session in, in a proper Apocalypse World game um, and by proper I mean Apocalypse World rather than all of its spin-offs and hacks and the rest of it is to mm. is to follow follow the player characters around for a day in their hold and just see what they do uh, and that that session has got to be absolutely gold for finding out what people are like as well as you know the GM is supposed to just sit there almost in silence apart from asking a couple of leading questions or a couple of provocative questions every now and again but they but everybody should just be like you know getting good raw material of like you know uh, not just what do you look like and what weapon are you holding which tends to what be what comes out in most introductions but like how do you react in these circumstances or you know what buttons what what really pushes your buttons what makes you violent what makes you this way or that way and just following people around for a bit is is again something you can do in a role-playing game which other media won't do because it would be a really boring first half hour of a movie perhaps but th- but there's there should be some room for like the characters to just have some time with each other or does that sound yeah. too weird? <laughs> I don't know. But there's an adventure to be get, to be getting on with. But but those flashback scenes are cool. I, I always try and put them into um, long rests in my D and D games. When people say they're going to camp, uh, I always have like a little store of questions that I throw out to the group, and it might be some something as simple as like who goes to get the water, and um, and eventually after after a couple of those questions, you've kind of like one of the party members is is the one who always puts the kettle on. And that's, yeah. that's just becomes like a little thing then, a little artifact of your play. And like, you know, and um, are there any vegetarians in the party? I bet that no, surely no other DM in the world has ever asked the party that apart from me. I'm quite <laughs> proud of that one. Because it, it always, always elicits a really good response. Always. And, you know, I've never had everyone just look around and go, nope, and move on. Somebody always takes the bait on that one. And it becomes a conversation that they have while they're cooking up. Um, yeah. And that's that's two minutes of role play it, that just enhances everything and makes it can make. I know it sounds bizarre, but when you play up to characters like that, it can make the combat you have six sessions later mean everything when one of the party is unconscious, because there was a tiny bit of relationship built in what would normally be seen as downtime or admin time or something to just skip over. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. I imagine he looks at the elf when you say he's the vegetarian, but you know, every time, <laughs> <laughs> elf needs food badly, though. You know, yeah. <laughs> how badly? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've got bacon. The Smart Party are raising funds to help with the running costs of the show. We use Patreon, which is kind of like a modern magic item that turns you into a connoisseur of all that is good in gaming. To show your support, just to head over to patreon.com slash thesmartparty. You can donate a dollar, a credit, a copper piece, or a fiver per month. 
It all goes into the portable whole of web hosting costs and helps us look after you every month with new smart party content. Patreons get a big thanks from us, some backer-only goodies as and when, and the warm, confident glow of the just and righteous to help you sleep at night. Join the smart party at patreon.com today and tell all your friends tomorrow. Cheers! Yeah, I, I, one of the things I'm reminded that I did actually is um, I've started getting out well, when I remember and getting printed off and my printer works, um, is some rumours which I just shuffle up mm. and dish out to players before I start. So they've got each player's then got a bit of random knowledge about the game world or the scenario or one of the characters in it that the others haven't. And yeah. Rather than me doing an exposition as a dump, I can kind of say like, oh, well, you've got to go to uh, Königsberg Fortress up in the north. Uh, and mm. there'll be a little bit of people going like, well, what do I know about that? And if, while they're picking the dice up ready to roll common knowledge or whatever it is, someone else will go, well, well I've heard X, Y, and Z. And someone else says, no, well, I've heard mm. this. And straight away then it feels like it's the characters that are coming up with this knowledge because of what they know about the world. Uh, rather than players listening to GM give his info dump of what this place is like. And you can still do your knowledge rolls and get some extra info if you want, but it's nice to put something in the hands of the players and that then doesn't rely on them having to come up with something or being put on the spot because they've got a little bit they can read out and interpret it how they like. Um, And the other bit I did that worked quite well with that actually was um, I jotted down a little name for where they've heard this information from. So mm. in one of my Hellfrost games, uh, Gortrek the Small, this big uh, mercenary, who's really just basically a fighter, so there's not a lot on the character sheet to give you much in way of character, apart from he's a bit tubby and eats too much. Um, one of the rumours came from uh, a streetwalker. So from that moment on, it was like, Gortrek now is now known as, like when we get into a town, he's going to go off and find an inexpensive prostitute to go and spend the night with, mm-hmm. because of where he heard this other rumour. So it then became game fiction that clearly this character spends his night with ladies of the night you know it's that, it's that kind yeah. of stuff uh, and it's quite a throwaway thing but if you stick enough little bits and pieces out there then someone will get picked up and run with mm. yeah yeah um, there's a, there's another technique because that, that's good mate That that's that's close to stuff I've done in 13th age but I'm conscious that I tend to put people on the spot a little bit with that so I might I might tell them for example there's a, there's a really good demo adventure uh, called Make Your Own Luck which uh, it's no spoiler but you go up against a very big bad at the end but at the start of the adventure um, everybody has to generate things they've heard about this big bad so rumours so they can say like, yeah. I heard he's only got one eye um, and the GM is supposed to dutifully note these things down and of course when you meet the big bad he's got like D6 of these rumours and more than just rumour they're true so you know players won't know this at the time but if they say I heard he's invulnerable to all weapons <laughs> 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 and that's happened on more than one occasion so <laughs> that's quite fun um, but yeah, but often people will get on narrative but equally I've had loads of people bulk at that because that is quite a lot to ask of someone very very early in a game of some people that, that's just not their style they can't just generate loads of, of cool narrative on the spot um, and it can get a bit competitive so having some preloaded stuff on some index cards and what have you will serve to keep everything like you know on theme uh, set the tone and give people a little bit of a crutch, which I guess you would have no objection whatsoever to them spinning off from that as well into other realms. So no, that sounds no. like a plan. But yeah, one of the things, uh, yeah, sorry, um, one of the things I put into uh, the game I've spent the last year writing, so <laughs> King of Dungeons. Anyway, it's another dungeon crawler because the world hasn't got enough. Uh, one of the things <laughs> I've put into it is. Uh, is to try and help people with exactly this is a thing called tells 
and essentially it's not exactly a revolution uh, it's not a revolutionary game system but you'll have your stats and you'll have your attributes and all of that kind of stuff for any that are exemplary in one way or the other so they're quite high or they're quite low you as a player have to generate a tell for that attribute in other words how would people know by just looking at you or interacting with you for a couple of minutes that your charisma is rock bottom or that your intelligence is sky high or whatever it is and those tells exist in loads of different bits of the character as well so there's a tell for your weapon so it is way more important in my game what your weapon looks like or if there's a little bit of story behind it or it's got a name than how many plus ones it's got Mm. that doesn't matter and instead of being strength 15 you will be strength 15 that's the bit that matters mechanically but what matters is the tell and you can have brawny or solid or you know, six pack something like that and then when mm. you do your character interactions when you do your introductions you've got no excuse to say uh, uh, you could say I'm really strong but you're much more likely to use the adjective that you thought up in character generation that you are brawny or whatever and just putting yeah. natural language into it helps the story along so I find, for example, that as a GM, instead of asking for perception roles, which is the normal thing, the first role that comes up in any game traditionally, is to say, who's got the sharpest eyes? And it doesn't take very much because, you know, your players, if they don't know you, will look at you kind of weirdly. And you can just (laughs) mutter like, you know, who's got the highest perception? You only have to do it once. And then, you know, for the rest of the campaign, when you say who's got the sharpest eyes, well then the players will take it on and start saying like, well, let's do watch. And one of them will say, well, you've got the sharpest eyes. And sharp eyes is just a tell for perception. And if you can, and and I know the Power Power by the Apocalypse games are really big on this, if you can not state mechanics out loud, you've done very well. I like to do both, but but that's that's quite a good way of playing up everything about the game. Mm. Yeah, I I am... I confess a big one for like not mentioning the mechanics if you can help it. I think some games yeah. uh, benefit from mentioning the mechanics because you need to be clear about what you're doing and there's different you know pluses or minuses to doing something or it's a different role or something. So this bit, like, but yeah, the, the sharpest eyes things and stuff like that. I love. I, I sort of die a little bit inside when people say who's got the best lock picking or something. Mm. I just kind of I want the players to kind of have a bit of an argument about it and like you can still like. You can still sort of like quietly players go like, oh, it's me or something. But yeah. what I'd like to happen first is that they kind of go like, well, you know, I've, I've picked a locker two in my time. And someone, someone else is going like, are you kidding? I'm the master thief of this outfit. Get your stubby mm. hands away from this lock or something like that. And then you can, you can actually look at the characters if you want to. But it's kind of old school role playing that a little bit of that, like, you know, just kind of. I'm the guy who does this thing. That's my niche protection, so get away from it. Just, but just doing that in a role-playing way, I think adds a little bit more depth to the game. They're just all going, well, which button do we mash now to get past this obstacle? Mm. And and the the natural place to do that and and to 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 follow on from Alina's advice as well is in the the bit of the game where you want to assist somebody else's role. It's in all games to one extent or another, and. Uh, that little bit of you that dies when people say like uh, who's the best locksmith in the party because they all compare their pick locks and someone says I've got plus three but I've got plus four and then it all, all of fiction falls apart doesn't it yeah that well the assist role is even worse because then you've got someone <laughs> yeah, who tries to true. pick a lock and then the, the person who's second best at picking the lock says I assist uh, and you always have to follow that up with a question well how do you go about doing that and then 
And then after a while, you just think, oh, for goodness sake, here, here, have your plus two, and that's fine. It all becomes numbers very, very quickly in, in those kind of assist situations. But if you are into the business of playing up and making the world more real and bringing the setting to the table and stuff coming out through play and all the other stuff that we've talked about off the back of Elena's thoughts, isn't that the best time to play somebody else up as well as your abilities? Because that that's the point where you go, well, you know, obviously, you know, I can't tread on your toes here because you're you're the master of this. But can I at least can I at least hold the thieves' tools of the master lock picker that you are? I'd be honoured if you'd let me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything enough. like that. That you know, if you get if you take the chance to make an assist in a game, see if you can do it in a way that doesn't mention mechanics at all, but also lets the rest of the table know that you're the second best in the party. I, I think that would be a tough act, but it would be really, really good for cementing so many things in one statement. Yeah, that's a really good point, Bass. I mean, the, the way to do it is to have your dice in your hand gently rocking them as you, say, as you give your speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then everybody yeah, knows the assist roll's coming. <laughs> but yeah, you, you're dressing it yeah. up nicely as well kind of thing. So, yeah, that's a really good point. It's like, you know, let me hold the torch for you, whatever it is. That Just a little bit, just to kind of add it up, going, let me yeah. see you work, or that kind yeah. of thing. That's, right, that's yeah. a really good idea. I've got your back. You've got the big sword, but I've got your back as you hold out your little dagger trembling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of wee comes out. Yeah, it's all there. Yeah, it's exactly. all there. So I, I guess the sort of the flip side that we need to, uh, well, do we need to be aware of? I think we probably do. Is that kind of like don't downplay other people? So uh, mm-hmm. if someone is the master locksmith, don't be constantly going about that time when they failed their lockpick role as a player because the character is a master locksmith. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just been a little bit... I mean, you can obviously have banter in, in between party members and all the rest of it, but just being a little bit aware that if you're constantly playing someone down on a thing they're supposed to be good at, that's going to have a negative impact on the game as well. Yeah, yeah, it does need to be said because... If you're if you are if you're taking the lessons forward and you're thinking right, I'm, I'm going to try and get everyone involved in the game. It's all too easy, and I, and I can do this myself to concentrate on the time the other character rolled a one um, mm. and fumbled at something, or you know something didn't quite work. You, and you don't really want. It's it's so easy to do. It's just to everybody jump on that and like you're trying to you're trying to force in a bit of shared history, then aren't you? And and I get it. But it can have a negative effect, and it's it's probably better to try and celebrate the stuff that they wanted to celebrate, without being too sort of like you know, training speak about it or self empowerment <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But but you know, you if if the fighter wants to make a big deal out of the fact he's got rippling muscles and can just like you know tear orcs' heads off with his bare hands, you don't really want to only ever mention the time he dropped the lantern and set fire to his own feet, to the exclusion. <laughs> yeah of the fact that he's got rippling muscles. I'm making it really basic, but you, you get the idea. Um, mm. And I think the other thing to watch out for, and you see this all the time in cooperative board and card games, is quarterbacking, where oh, it's God. good to play other people up, but that is not the same thing as playing their damn character. <laughs> Let people play their <laughs> own character, you know? Back people up, assist people, try and help them promote their spotlight, but that doesn't mean... You just go, give me your character sheet and I'll do it. And that happens all the time. Even if people don't physically get your character sheet, you can't even open your mouth before they told you what you're going to do. Stop that. Yeah. It's not you guys. Yes. <laughs> Everyone else. <laughs> yeah. If you do that, don't do it. Yeah, I've seen it quite a lot. Um, and the most amusing one is where people seem to have an opinion on what everybody else should be doing and it gets around to their turn and they haven't got a clear what they're going to do with their own character. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's like, well, maybe if you spent less time thinking about what everybody else should do, you'd have got your own act together <laughs> to a degree. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, by all means, have something, you know, if people are struggling, like be, be on hand to give them an advice or give them a suggestion on what they might want to do. But you let people have a go first and don't just like constantly be thinking of something else they could do because it's better or, you know, more fun. Mm. Certainly like, you know, a tactical combat or something like that. And you might see a more efficient way or a better way of getting a bonus or whatever else. But if you if you do fiction first to a degree and think about what it would be like in a the dark tunnels of Moria with no light sources and works all crawling all over you, you're not going to be stepping to the right five foot square to get your flanking bonus. You're just going to be hitting the nearest thing to you and hope it doesn't bite you in the face. You know, so let people make a couple of mistakes and do things they want to do. If if the fiction's flowing and you're rolling dice and cool shit's happening, like why step on that just because you think of something that for you is slightly cooler? You know, yeah. help people out, but yeah, don't yeah. get in the way. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I'm going to do a little bit of training speak. I said I wouldn't, but oh, this, I think this is a really good parable. Okay, so look out, everybody. T- tune off for the next thirty seconds. That I, I once got some really good training off someone, and it was about um, adding too much value to things. And what it means is this: if somebody comes to you with with an idea they've had, um, the worst thing you can do, and it's all tempting to do it, is go. That's a really good idea, and I'll tell you what will make it even better, and to try and build on that idea straight away. Because it seems like the sort of thing that would work, right? Especially in a role-playing game as well. Like, I think we could do this. Yeah, and we could also. And yeah, we could also. Because you've got like five or six people around the table. By the time it comes back around to the first person, their original idea is buried under a bunch of other stuff, which Mm. is usually good ideas. But the problem you've got is that that person then goes away. The, The originator of the idea goes away to implement it. And they've only got half of their idea left. They they came. It's, it's still everything they brought to the table, but there's been another hundred percent of stuff stuck on top of it. So yeah. now they've only got half of the plan. So let people do what they want to do and support them with that. But don't just like think, yeah, yeah, you could do that, and I could, I could, I could put my awesome all over it like jam on bread, and then <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll both be awesome. But guess what? Nobody remembers the bread. Like wait for your go <laughs> to do your awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a really good point, Mas. Yeah, he's all too tempting. Um, mm. and, and I do it as a GM, which makes me a very bad man indeed. Because players <laughs> tell me they're going to do stuff, and then and you you watch it. You watch if you watch um, if you watch Critical Role, which is really good stuff, just generally speaking. Matt Mercer, who's a fantastic GM, he does it all the time, and, and I think it's it's a shame sometimes that that people say what they're going to do, and he narrates it back to them with more awesome on. And yeah, that's that's it's like mm, I do it too. I find it really difficult not to, especially if the player doesn't doesn't step up and and start ladling on the adjectives. Is I tend to repeat back their actions with with more vim than they described it to me in the first place. Yeah, and that's that's me playing their character. I need to stop doing that. Yeah, no fair point. I do it myself a little bit sometimes. Hopefully not as much as others. <laughs> but, <laughs> But you want to do like I mean I think that's part of the just like uh, the different personality types and different role players is that we naturally want to add stuff to it. So when we are players, we want to add quite a florid description to what we're doing, or we like make it cool. Mm. Uh, and some players just don't want to do that. So when it's missing, us as GMs or perhaps other players want to add it in as well because we're like, no, come on, there's cool here. Let's like uncover more of it. Yeah. So yeah, just be a bit mindful, I guess. Mm. Cool. So is there anything um, that 
GMs can do to help our players out? I know we sort of like strayed into GM advice a little bit there, or perhaps is it better going looking at it from the other way? Is going as players, what can you do for the GM? Uh, and I think that's possibly uh, digging things out of other players, if you know what I mean, or their characters. Mm. Like the GM can only speak to one person at once, potentially, unless he's doing a monologue to the audience. Um, so do you uh, try and bring in quiet other characters of the game or quiet players of the game and get something more out of their character? Or I don't know, how much do you do that? Maybe someone likes sitting back and not saying too much, so they'll find it a bit irritating if you're constantly in the face going, come on, what's your thief doing now? You're good at this. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I, th- I think, you know, you keep it pretty subtle, but I think right at the top of the game as a player, I mean, how often have we said, right, if you're bored in a game, it's your own fault as a player? Yeah. Because you've got, if you've, I, I can't believe how many pieces of ammunition you've got to not be bored as a player in a role-playing game that's made of imagination. So I think it's also true that you have loads of ammunition available to you as a player to 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 get involved, have other people involved, whatever. So on the basis that you haven't, You've had a chat in the first place with everybody, and everybody's up for getting, you know, getting a spotlight. On that basis, I think do really, really simple stuff. So, this is going to sound ridiculous, but have your have a little tent card with your character name on it that everyone can see. Actually, everyone can see, and and Mm. possibly even put some personality traits on it or a couple of adjectives. Um, and, and in a and d game, that might be enough to put Dwarf Barbarian because, you know, that's that's why D&D, I've, arguably, I think that's why D&D is so popular is because you've got so many cool shorthands that get you to the game without having to worry about stuff. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Dwarf Barbarian is, uh, uh, and, you know, uh, chaotic good Dwarf Barbarian is enough to be going on with. Uh, and arguably, that will get some people to 20th level, but I digress. Um, but if you can <laughs> stick that... Stick that on a tent card that everyone can see. So, because you're just not aware of of how little other people are going to know about your character, you you know plenty or enough, but it's it is completely invisible and inaudible to everybody else, and in online play even more so. Yeah. So, you know, advertise it, and that means physically advertise it from the off, and perhaps ask other people not to do the same. But just in that intro bit where bits of paper are getting shuffled and so on, just go, right, this is me, everybody, um, and you are. And it's a bit like going to a cocktail party, isn't it? <laughs> you do actually yeah. have to put your hand out and go up and introduce yourself to people um, because that will give you something. And all you need, I think, is is one little thread to pull on um, and just you know, give that thread a little gentle tug every now and again. Um, alignment systems are good for it because you know they're easy to advertise that kind of thing if you're playing D&D and someone says they're chaotic good um, to get yourself into circumstances where you can just promote the fact that somebody else is chaotic good actually alignment is probably a terrible idea because people bicker about that but you know, <laughs> um, but in other games then you know if you, I always think that if you're if you are a pilot uh, apart from the fact you just picked a terrible thing to be in a game because you're going to sit in a cockpit a lot, a lot on your own, but you should do everything in the game through the eyes of being a pilot. You should zero in on things. You should be dynamic. You should be quick. As you cross a room, you should do it faster than anybody else and try to win. That's That seems to be a good way to play, I think, with archetypes. Uh, and just advertise that fact. And advertise that fact during times where it would normally be glossed over. So if you're going, if you are going to have a shopping trip in a role-playing game, God forbid. But if you are, do it through the lens of your your class, your attributes, your aspects that you really wanted to sing about, 
and then uh, you, you're handing out opportunities for other people to tag onto them. I think that's what you need to do. You do need to play up other people, but you need to give other people threads to pull onto. Yeah, that's probably right. You can, you can sort of advertise things about appearance and apparel and, and bits and pieces to, to do that as well. Just thinking about your pilot example, you know, you could when you go to the bar and sit down, you could just sort of mention that you sling your flight jacket over the, you know, over the back of the chair as you sit down, your dog, tag, dog tags jangle or something like that. It's just to give those mm-hmm. extra little bits of going, look, I'm pilot, hello, I've got, you know, stuff on that's piloty and that yep. kind of thing. Um and I'm still thinking about that uh, guy you used to own a pub, you know. You mentioned one of the characters he used to own a tavern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I want to, I, I want to ask that character about his pub and what happened. And did it burn down? It? What was yeah. it called? You know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's well, these are good questions, aren't they? And um, and I, I don't know. I I think they're they're the best bits, aren't they? In other media, is when those you know, like in other media, when there's a fight, this happens mostly in comics, but it does happen in films as well. In a fight, uh, in a comic. Characters are constantly talking to each other, and sometimes they're having quite mundane conversations about like what they'd had for breakfast that morning. But they're punching Nazis in between every little bit of it, uh, and yeah. that, that wouldn't that be super cool, you know, uh, if you had that kind of like witty banter and dialogue, and just like people bouncing off of each other, even in what is otherwise a quite a mundane dice rolling fest. Th- those are the sort of scenes that I shoot for, and and that conversation about the pub would be even better while those two cats were fighting an ogre in an arena. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not as convinced. <laughs> I, I could see it coming up in a in a pub uh, where you're having a fight. And if you're in a tavern brawl and one character's complaining about like how he keeps his ale or something, or, you know... Something about the upkeep of a tavern that he's complaining mm. about when he's trying to have a fight in a tavern or something. Or when mm. I when I did this, there'd be a fucking back door in this place. I can tell you that for nothing and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, all, all good, all grist for the mill. Yeah, so yeah, write stuff down in your character sheet and um, and and make sure at some point you say it out loud <laughs> during the game because mm. I think you can actually be quite basic about it if you really can't be anything else. You know, if you are uh, dexterity eighteen, you know, just just say I am really dexterous. You'd be amazed how far that gets you because people can't see that you've got eighteen written on your character sheet. Certainly online, just say it and then see what happens. And then ask someone else if they kick in a door. Oh wow, you're really strong, aren't you? You should do that all the time. You know, and then see if that happens yeah. all the time. It's simple, isn't it? Really, when you think about it, it that's why it's so such a revolutionary thought because you think, doesn't that happen all the time? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I'm wondering if you could nick something from uh, Fate where they've got their aspects and you write them down and put them on post-it notes. If yep. you've got a you know, decent enough space, you could do that with characters, couldn't you? When someone's done mm-hmm. something or you've unearthed a secret or you've come up with some kind of like personality trait, you could stick it on a post-it note and slap it on the table in front of the player. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. in those bits where the GM's talking to some guy about an involved action or whatever else, if your other players are on the table, you kind of look go like, what can I talk about? And you've got like Fred on the pub, and uh, Jack's really good at kicking indoors. You could come up with something like that. You know, you could just you it'd give you some sort of inspiration as to like what what kind of ask this character about in character. Mm. Maybe I don't know. I don't think you need that sort of thing. Or these jot down your own notes so you remember it or whatever else. But it might be something just to jog the memory, I guess. Well, yeah, jotting down notes is a, is a fair shout, mate. Because we, you know, a lot of people gr- grab notes or tap away on something, but it's usually about the quest. 
or yeah. you know or about the organization you belong to or you know the the name of the battleship you've got to infiltrate is very rarely about like you know Jono with the sniper rifle who might only be sitting three feet away in real space um, but if it is literally someone at the other end of the table you've got less chance to interact with them um, and I certainly find that in cons as well depending on the table setup I, I could spend four hours in fairly close proximity with another human being and we'll walk out and get a drink in the bar afterwards and realize we haven't interacted at all uh, and that, that yeah. seems like a real shame you <laughs> know that, that's a nightmare yeah, um, I, well, that comes back to all the advice, doesn't it, about saying hello when you sit down at the table in the first place and that kind of True. stuff, and just yeah. having a little bit of a conversation. Um, I found actually that happened a little bit more at ShareCon, which was at the Savage Worlds convention a, a few weeks ago. Mm. Uh, people, I don't know whether it's because you you got that kind of like shared thing of we're all playing Savage Worlds or something, or whether it's just different people or what it was, but people seemed a lot happier to kind of have a chat amongst themselves and and just say hello rather than just go straight to character and then walk away again at the end of it hmm. but it's worth making the effort it? It, it, it ultimately starts with each and every one of us individually making that bit of effort so that ultimately everybody does it don't they yeah well I, I think I think Savage is, is a good system for it as well just off the back of the shake on thing mate because those edges and hindrances are really good things to advertise in fact you yeah. should have them printed up on badges and you can wear all your hindrances on your left lapel and all your edges on the right one <laughs> and you can still play your character any way you want to but then it's obvious to everybody who's got big mouth <laughs> that would be yeah. kind of a cool thing to do literally wearing them on on your sleeve uh, because <laughs> you probably don't need them on your character sheet because you remember it but if you could just look around the table and physically see everybody else's that would be kind of cool I want to put them on badges now like sheriff's badges you wear them on your hat <laughs> yeah <laughs> that'll work I'm sure I look forward to seeing everybody at Dragon Meet with uh different badges down their arms <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool well I think we've covered that topic pretty well Buzz. have you got anything else in mind uh, no I don't not that we won't return to in future podcasts mate I mean just you know big shout out to some of the stuff that's been going on in UK forums recently there's been some fantastic threads about um, about this kind of stuff and, and I am I am continually fascinated every time I play in a role playing session which uh which I do infrequently. I'm not normally the GM, um, but every time I'm a player, it's really, really illuminating what you see from that side of the screen and the dynamics of the team and the and the group around the table. I find it fascinating, and I, and I kind of wish that there were more. There was more, not player only chat, but player led chat, um, mm. not just about like the games that you play, because GM chat is always about systems, and I find player chat is often about something sometimes more interesting, like you know. <sighs> how does it feel to be like you know a member of a party how does it feel to be like the support character how does it feel to be like you know be given a tag that says you're the leader when maybe you didn't want it there's loads and loads of conversations that i think could come from players um but but often are drowned out by by system talk from gms so i think we could probably revisit this topic mate yeah sounds good I think the only thing I've got left uh, to sort of quickly mention is um, Epistolary Richard. I'll give another shout out to another great role player. Um, he mentioned stuff around, he sort of turned it into um, improvisation and stuff like that and, and noted 
that there's there's kind of like different roles that you can have, and it, it applies to role playing as well. Where you kind of want to be the active character who's doing cool stuff and jumping in and saying things, and you might start out by saying very little and just being the the wallflower in the background until you get that kind of confidence. Uh, but there's also equally uh, another role which is the assistess. So you've, you've developed those skills of jumping in and adding things and being confident and driving if you want to, but you don't do that to drive your own character. And what you do instead is kind of like look for opportunities to drive other people's character arcs forward. I think that's a very fair point, and it might be worth um, some of the more experienced gamers out there trying that out, see if it's something that they like doing. Uh, much the same as they've got sort of convention organisers who like organising to see other people have fun. Uh, it might be that, you know, give it a try and try for at least part of your game just to not think about what your character is doing as much, and perhaps look at like thinking, how else could I improve somebody else's play experience or boost their character that little bit more and get, a bit, get them to get a bit more out of the game? So it's a bit of an altruistic thing, I guess. And it's just a slightly different role, but it might be worth people bearing in mind as an option because I think quite often we get into the set of I'm going to play to drive this forward. I'm here to drive the game. I, you know, this is my character. I want them to do stuff or whatever it might be. And it's perhaps just worth taking a step back occasionally and thinking, okay, well, for this session or this hour or whatever, I'm just going to try and boost other players around the table and see what I can get out of it. Cool. That's a that's a really good idea, mate. I, I'm going to commit to doing that. I don't know which game it will be, but I've got a con coming up soon where I'm in three different sessions, and if if not in one, maybe multiple ones. I might see how that goes because it's you know it's a goodness me, it's a one shot. I've got thousands of games left in me. Why not give it a go? I think that's a really good, really really solid piece of advice. You can get in touch with the Smart Party via your favourite electronic means. Look us up on the forums where we're just about everywhere, or you can simply email us at thesmartparty@hotmail.com. Your comments, insights, questions, and revelations are always welcome. More diplomacy. Yeah, cool stuff. Okay, I think that's us done for this week. Thanks for listening to both our loyal listeners uh, for the questions and comments. Uh, several of the people I've mentioned have either posted on forums or dropped us a line or sent us an email. So that's always good. Please send us more of that. And of course, if you've got a spare dollar in your bank account, chuck it our way. We've got to go to Dragon Meet soon and do some podcasting there, hopefully. <laughs> We've got bills to pay. We've got people on our back about hosting things and all kinds of stuff. So if you can spare us a few shekels, Chuck them into the account on our Patreon. Uh, you can find all the details on the blog, on the website, or just drop us a line anywhere, and we'll happily tell you how to get involved. Cool. Thanks ever so much for the, for those who have supported us so far. Here's to many more. Cheers, everybody, and see you next time. Bye-bye for now.